Welcome, everybody. Marketing, management, money, the podcast, All Things Small Business with uh, Ryan Murray, Ethan Migliori. We are excited today because Ethan did some homework. I'm not even sure what he did homework <laughs> on. <laughs> so, 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 you know, as, as we come up with topics, I, uh, I, I sent him a, a text and I said, hey, we, uh, we need to do a, a finance one. We haven't done finance for a little while. And I kind of threw out some ideas of what I wanted. He showed up with a page and a half of notes. And I'm like, what, 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 what did, what did you study? And he's like, all things finance. I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a big topic for one podcast episode. So, Ethan, uh, all things finance, it's yours. I'll maybe chime in. You know, I can do the outro. I can tell people thank you for listening. The, the, the rest of the thirty minutes is, is yours. You well, got this. Well, good. Welcome, welcome, <laughs> listeners, and welcome to Ethan's show. Uh, no, you know, all things financial. I, Here's the thing about financials that I love, and it's because they tell us so much, but let me throw out a few stats. You know, I love stats, and okay. people who listen will know that I'm a stat kind of guy, and then I'll give it, share an example. But um, when you look at the number of businesses that actually use um, financial statements okay. and, and ratios at some level, I'm not going to say a high level because there's a lot of ratios that for small business aren't significant. Sure. So I want to be careful to do that one, but, but only about uh, 27% of businesses, small businesses out there actively use financial statements to make decisions. So about one in four. Yeah. Now this is what's also interesting is that uh, a small business who is taking on a project or they have a specific project that they're trying to manage whether that be tied to growth or a new product or a sales project. I mean, there's a number of different things. Anyways, when it comes to projects, that number actually increases to about 37%. I totally believe that. That matches all of my experience with consulting. Yeah. But the fascinating thing to me is that your overall business, in most cases, is much more significant and important than just the one project. <laughs> you, you, you run a $10 million company and you're going to take on a quarter million dollar project. Yeah, but you'll micromanage the project. The quarter million dollar project and ignore the $10 million company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see that a lot. Yeah. And so uh, if you've been watching the news lately, uh, there's been a huge disruption with uh, Apple and their iPhone 14. Okay. okay, so with uh, the new COVID restrictions again now hitting China, mm-hmm. um, one of their main suppliers for parts um, out of China is now scrambling to to deal with you know how do I deliver more and more and more and so uh, and this is where financials become important because a lot of this stuff you think well this is no brainer but but numbers would have told them this a long time in fact numbers did tell them this a long time ago they just kind of hopefully ignored it and that it hoped it went away, even though it, it really hasn't. And that is that they were so centralized on just a handful of suppliers that now that they have a disruption in their supply chain, uh, now their lag time for iPhone 14s coming out is instead of the normal two weeks, it's now four to six weeks. So can we jump into this topic right off the bat? <clears throat> and that is... Your optim- optimism. I, I love this quote, and I'm probably going to slaughter it, but it's, uh, <laughs> don't let your daddy get in the way of my optimism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, 
you know, I, I see a lot of businesses that we're taught, and I, I can't speak for the rest of the world, but in the United States, we're taught that the way a business succeeds is to have a go get attitude. Like your attitude is what makes a business succeed. And I honestly think that we should stop teaching that because it's very misleading. You, you don't need to have a positive attitude. You need to have a certain level of determination and perseverance you know, it, it's not positivity that gets you through it. It's not giving up. It's stickability that gets you through it. Yeah. And and so we we teach that your positive attitude can overcome, you know, the reality of of, of a financial situation. Like, oh, you know, hey, we're really in a bad spot, or we're heading in a bad direction. That's okay. Just. Let's be positive, everyone, and we can make this happen. And, and I'm like, there's an aspect of luck in business. And so you'll have people that get lucky and then they tout that, you know, that they knew what they're, I'm like, no, you got lucky. Oh. Yeah. I mean, there is no reward without risk. But I, my frustration, and you'll, and you'll understand this completely from your experience or interacting with businesses is that it is not uncommon for me when I work with a business that they can have the optimism. But what I find is that they're, uh, when we start talking about financial statements and ratios, they say, Oh yeah, I use my PL all the time. I'm like, okay, well, what about the balance sheet? And they're like, well, what about it? What do I do with it? So essentially the analogy is, is that, and this is important for listeners to understand is that it's like flying an airplane and we have, basically three main financial statements that we're using. And it's like your three main uh, instruments on your dashboard in an airplane. Okay. Your, your altitude, your flight speed, and then your fuel. Yeah. Okay. Well, when they tell me, Hey, look, Oh yeah, I use my profit and loss all the time. It's like, okay, yeah, you're, you're looking at your altitude all the time. I get that, but you're totally (laughs) negating your, your airspeed and your fuel. Okay, mm-hmm. and if you ignore them long enough, guess what happens? You you're going to run out of fuel, and and then you know then you know a week later you can be talking to business. Oh yeah, now I'm using my balance sheet. Well, what about your profit and loss? Are you integrating it in with your ratios and how you're using? Oh no no, I'm focusing on my balance sheet. Okay, well that that doesn't make any sense because now what you're saying is, hey, I'm flying this plane, and I'm focusing looking on my fuel gauge. Okay, as long as I got fuel, I don't care about anything else. Mm. Okay. Well, no, there's a problem there because guess what? If you're slowly losing altitude, okay, eventually you're going to hit the ground, even though you still had fuel. And when you hit, it's going to be a, a an amazing explosion because of the fuel left in there. But, but that's, unfortunately, you're going to do that. So when you look at that dashboard, you have to be using all three of those tools and, and understand their relationship to each other because one in and of itself doesn't keep the plane in the air. Mm. Well, so... I look at financials, uh, and if we can, so just a preface to the listeners. I think we're gonna we're gonna put some hypothetical, theoretical, conceptual concepts out there, and then at the end of the episode, why don't we tie it into some more specific, tangible, actionable steps? So, if our listeners will bear with us for a second while we while we come up with the concepts of why this matters. And then we'll move into the what you do about it uh, is going to be kind of an approach I'd I'd like to take on this. But but I want to hit on a couple things. Optimism is great to have. 
Optimism coupled with laziness is a bad combination. And when I say laziness, entrepreneurs, I've never come across an entrepreneur who ever considers themselves lazy. However, the majority of entrepreneurs that I have met are lazy. And let me let me explain this for a second. You know, um, what, what's the correct saying that uh, necessity is the mother of invention? Is that? Yes. Okay, I'm like, no, laziness is the mother of invention. <laughs> You're sick of doing something, so you want to come up with a better way so that you don't have to do it so much. And so I'm like, laziness is the mother of all invention. And entrepreneurs are inherently lazy because they see a problem. They're not the, you know, they're not the work ethic where they're just like, oh, we've got a problem. So, you know, they don't want to shovel faster or harder. They want to create a machine that will shovel for them. Right. And so the nature of an entrepreneur is lazy. All right. The other thing is, is entrepreneurs confuse long hours with productivity. And I'm yes. like, it's long hours that you want to do. How many times have you been in a, you know, I, I'm doing air quotes here, that says board meeting, when it's really just you hanging out with your business partner and you guys are having a great time because you're brainstorming all sorts of fun, creative, you know, vision type statements and ideas and things. But then when it comes down to actually doing it and you follow up and, you know, so two weeks later, uh, so who actually uh, got their? Oh, uh, yeah, I didn't get to all my stuff that I said I was going to do. But you're ready to move into the next big idea. Like it's fun to talk about ideas. It's fun to brainstorm. It's fun to have creative sessions. It feeds the creative part of our brain. Yeah. And so I'll see these entrepreneurs that they love the creative part, but they hate the work part. And it happens all the time. They don't want to just roll up their sleeves and do the work. That's not the personality type of an entrepreneur. So entrepreneurs tend to be pretty lazy. I am stereotyping here, but you'll find that the majority of entrepreneurs tend to be pretty lazy. So when it comes to financials, they want to wing it. They want to just say stuff like, I've been in this business for 20 years. I'll tell you what, my gut doesn't lie. <laughs> I'm like, translation, I don't feel like learning something new, and so I'm just going to do whatever my gut tells me to do. <laughs> and it hasn't killed me yet in 20 years. <laughs> like, you know, so the, the, the problem that I have is that, uh, you know, optimism coupled with laziness is a very bad way to manage your company. And people confuse long hours with productivity. And I'm like, you're still being lazy. You're doing what you want to do, not what needs to be done very often. And so financials require work and effort. It's just, it's the same thing as if you want to get in shape. At the end of the day, I don't care if you're on a keto diet, if you're on a, you know, a strength training regimen, if you're doing a cardio program, if you're doing HIIT training or CrossFit, I don't care what you're doing. At the end of the day, you have to do it repeatedly. Right. And, and finance is the same way. If you want to be yes. good at finance, you got to be spending 15 to 20 minutes every day. I will say that one more time. You got to be spending 15 to 20 minutes every day to just build those financial muscles. Let me share an example of an experience I had about where, where they weren't using their financials, they weren't understanding their financials. And so now when there's a problem, they didn't know how to interpret it because they just weren't experienced enough. They mm -hmm. weren't spending the time needed. Uh, met a gentleman uh, having some, you know, the old saying, hey, I know I'm bringing in cash, but I just don't see it on my bottom line type mm -hmm. of a yeah. comment. Okay. So I start looking through the financials and 
I saw enough to, and I made the comment to him. I says, look, um, I think someone internally is stealing money from you. Oh. Okay. Well, I didn't try to convince him strongly because he's like, no way. No one would steal from me. All my employees are faithful, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, look, I, well, then you don't have any obvious things that are standing out. Like, you know, your ratios are off or things like that, which means somewhere internally, someone has to be taking money from you. Okay. And he argued against me, argued against me. And anyways, I, he never did ask me to come back to do anything else. I think he was offended because I accused someone. Well, interesting enough through the grapevine about three months later, guess what happens? Someone was stealing from someone was stealing from it. Yeah. Yeah. And, but for me to look at it, I could see enough because I deal with financials that I can say, Hey, look, I, I can isolate it down close, but without having full access to everything, I'm never going to, I'm never going to pin down exactly who and what, but, but he didn't have a clue. Mm -hmm. He was clueless because of that, what you're trying to say right there. And that is if you're not spending time in your financials and understanding the the relationship and the numbers, um, and looking for those oddities that sometimes show up, uh, he, he can't see it. Mm -hmm. He he couldn't see it. He couldn't see the, you know, the, the tree from the forest. Yeah. Well, and so let me, let me put a little bit of clarification. You know, I made this big old statement of you should be doing your financials every single day. I do not review financial statements daily. And so I want to clarify what, you know, what types of things you can and should be doing if you're going to review your financials on a regular basis, um, a daily basis, like if you're going to exercise those financial muscles. So uh, there should be a combination of doing and learning, And if you already know financials, your learning now consists of following markets. Like you should be reading articles of what markets are doing, looking at market reports, other outside analysis, you know. And so not all of this time is going to be spent just you, you know, looking over your P&L 15 minutes a day. Like that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, okay... How much time are you spending digging into, once you've identified a problem, how much time are you spending fixing that problem and then following up to see if the actions that you did fixed that problem? You know, so um, I, I, I look. Well, can I share an ahead. example? Yeah. So a classic <laughs> one that I've seen is when it comes to vendors. So as a manager, I'm a lot of times uh, you're removed, you're one layer removed from actually day-to-day purchases, mm-hmm. things like that. So However, when you're crunching your numbers and all of a sudden you see the ratio from month to month change that my cost of goods is is increasing or my profit margin is increasing between my original sales and my cost of goods, which means that, that my expenses are in that category to produce that product are increasing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when I see that, then it's easy for me to say, okay, look, I don't need to look at my financials anymore. What I want to do is I want to go into my purchasing department and start asking, hey, has any of our vendors started increasing prices and who? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, do you know why they've increased those? All right. Are there other vendors out there that we can look at that maybe supply this widget for us to produce our product? Mm-hmm. That's what when when you talk about financials and where you're going, that's what we're talking about. I might look at the financials, all my statements at one point in time, but then I'm use the information into it to start digging into other parts of those financials or my operations to start feeling backfilling that and, and to strengthen my business. And, and, and I want to take what you're talking about and I want to, I, I want to dig a little bit deeper into this exact issue because it's hitting a lot of businesses right now. And there's two parts that I want to hit on. Part number one is as you go to, you know, like uh, your purchasing manager 
and they tell you, oh, you know, we've sourced everything that we can, and you disagree with them, that right there is a great opportunity for improvement between you and your purchasing manager. Mm-hmm. Is you know, So when I say daily, you're digging into your financials. If you believe that there should be a number and your purchasing manager is giving you a different number, that is what you focus on right. for that time is you say, okay, I want, you know, I want to, I want to cross-reference this. And, and so in financials, I'll spend a lot of time cross-referencing. So if I look at something head on and it doesn't make sense, I try to look at it from a totally different perspective. So let me, let me give an example. And this is going to tie into my second point that I want to make. We've seen that cost of goods have shot up in this last year. We've also seen that shipping costs have shot up. Yes. Now, I know that shipping costs are dropping dramatically right now, so I'm kind of going back a few months. Uh, it's sort of the Wild West moving forward, but let's just go with what happened historically. So I've got these two big things that have hit, right, my cost of goods. Well, when we're talking about cost of goods, that's going to hit product-specific But when we're talking about shipping, that might not hit product-specific. And depending on how you're set up, you might actually put shipping down in your operating expenses. And I, I, was, I was working with a business that was trying to tell me, you know, they, they had split out their revenue streams. And they were trying to tell me that they had the, you know, the right margins on one product mix, but the other product mix was hurting them. And when we dug deeper, I'm like, you have not factored in your shipping to, you know, your shipping is on an operating expense line item. And the other one, you're only looking at cost of goods. So cost of goods, yes, you know, item A is actually the one that is going up in cost. But if you were to take, you know, the shipping costs for item B, you would see that it has actually gone up considerably as well. And so it wasn't an apples-to-apples comparison. And so what I mean by taking a cross-reference point of view is to look at other things that might be impacting. So, you know, a cost of goods, from an accounting perspective, it's the cost of the goods sold. That's why it's COGS, right? And so it's a very, you know, direct labor, direct inputs kind of calculation. But there could be indirect factors that are raising the cost, not the cost of goods, but raising the overall costs that you need to be able to understand. And so if you start looking at it from different viewpoints, that's where you spend that time being more familiar with your financial statements. Let me go back to that earlier example I was using where they found that their vendor had raised prices. Mm -hmm. Well, in this case, the fascinating piece about this was that you'll see why financials became significant for the company is the vendor said, yes, we've raised our prices because you're not paying us on time. Oh, Oh. okay. See, now our financials are leading us down a whole nother path as we start chasing this lead. Yeah. And we can go back now and we can say, all right, why are we not paying on time? And so what, what's happening with our cash flow? So now we got to go back and look at our cash flow. Yeah. And, and, and this is where, you know, cash and sales move in opposite directions. Yes. And so it's like, oh, I'm getting hit with expense because I don't have the cash to support that. Yeah. You know, very, very interesting. Yeah. You know? so, so financials are extremely important, especially, and I love your, of your, you know, your premise that you're saying today that, hey, look, we're not talking about just staring at a financial statement all day long. We're, we're talking about look at that financial statement monthly and then start looking for those anomalies and then start working your way through those anomalies to start cleaning those up or finding out why 
there's been a change or why this percentage has changed and why, because that's where we actually get powerful in. And now you understand, oh yeah, I am using my financials on a daily basis every 15 to you know 20 minutes a day or, or more, mm-hmm. depending on you know the problem, but to do that. So it, it can be um, uh, easily 10, 15 to 20 minutes a day as you're looking through ways to become more efficient and effective at what you're doing. Yeah. So I'm going to, you know, I promised that we'd, we'd transition from some of the hypothetical into some of the tangible, and I'm going to give my first tangible recommendation or step that I would say, you know, if you're, if you're a manager of a company, what are you going to do? Because this is a common complaint that I get from uh, businesses. You, you started with the stat that 27% of them are using their financials, which means that there is, uh, what, 73% yeah. that don't know where to start. They just, they're, they're so overwhelmed. I, I, I don't think that most people are choosing not to use it. I think that they look at their financials and they're just like, what do I do with all of this? Well, and, that, and that's right, because... In small business, most people are not uh, business majors. Right. They, they found a niche with a product or a skill set that they had, and then they go into business, which is where they're really good at, and mm-hmm. they're making money. But then they've neglected to actually fine-tune another piece that now does become significant as time has gone by, yeah. which is financials. And so this this is a tangible that I would give to anyone, and I don't care how well you know your financials. This is a great thing to do. Look, Take a period today versus a period I would prefer a year ago. You know, to me, this would be better accomplished a year-to-year analysis. You can do quarter-to-quarter, but there's some seasonality that's going to skew some things. So year-to-year is going to be the better analysis to do here. But I'm going to just literally take every line item that I have, and I'm going to just click a percentage change to it. I'm going to do a percentage change calculation, and I'm looking for what are my biggest movers, up or down, you know, if there was a percentage change, what are my biggest movers? And literally, you could just take, so you can take a P&L from this year, compare it to a P&L from last year, and do a percentage change, and then you could you could identify the top 10 movers in either direction, positive or negative. And from those top 10 movers, you now just gave yourself three months of homework of what you can spend 15 to 20 minutes a day on, understanding why is that moving? Because... If it's all, if, if, if you're comparing apples to apples, then it should move at the same rate. You know, so if sales increased, then your expenses should increase at a similar rate. But that's not what happens. It, they tend to increase, fluctuate at different rates. So I'm looking for economies of scale. You know, uh, can I get better? Maybe my insurance stayed the same, but my sales went up. And so if my insurance stayed the same and my sales went up, I now got an economy of scale because I didn't have to increase my insurance to cover the sales that, you know, that, that, that I'm going to make. But maybe, you know, I use the, the example of freight. Maybe my freight went up. Maybe my freight went up at a higher percentage than my sales increased. Oh, that's now a concern. And I might want to rethink all of my shipping policies, or I might want to rethink my customer mix, or you know, uh, when to offer deals and promos, or what types of deals and promos to offer. And, I mean, there, there's a whole thing that you can just expand into from just simple percentage change. And, and I want to add to what you're saying. So there's about eight places when people ask me, what, should, when, what numbers should I be watching? Yeah. Okay, now there's some obvious ones, but 
uh, these are the, my top eight. So you have your revenues and your expenses. Okay. So you want to be watching those, but I tell people, you know, watch payroll and your overhead. Okay. Um, you've talked about cost of goods sold. We want to be watching that one. Uh, the last three then are tied to more balance sheet type of stuff, but they're highly important. And that is, can you actually tell me the value of your assets where you stand with the equity of your company and what your liabilities are? Okay. Because a lot of times companies can't even tell me what their liabilities are, whether they're increasing, decreasing, and what's the relationship to the assets. Mm -hmm. So, so those are the top eight. When someone says, tell me those numbers on a monthly basis, you kind of need to know what those numbers are in the back of your head. So when you see it again, you can instantly say, Hey, wait a minute. Why did, why did payroll go up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, what we're going to do is we're actually going to tie this one off right there, but uh, we're going to do a couple follow-up episodes, uh, getting into some more of the financials. And so if, if you're enjoying this financial discussion, uh, tune in to our uh, next episode because I, I think uh, we're going to dig into some of the health. This one we, we, we've talked about, uh, you know, kind of understanding you know, how to use the financials, when to use them, why to use them. But uh, let's start talking about uh, signs of, you know, am I healthy? Am I not healthy? Uh, and we'll, we'll pick that up in a, uh, in a, in a following episode. Thanks everyone. Take control of your business today. Go to learndesk.us and search marketing management and money for the small business insights you've always wanted. Be sure to stay tuned for new episodes on the first and third Wednesdays of every month and make sure to subscribe to be notified when we release bonus content such as interviews and short discussions.